0: Hello everybody, welcome back to episode 7 of the Blank Sutra podcast with your hosts uh, Cameron Dorsey and Carlos Reyes. It's always a lovely experience, a lovely time, a joy to be with you here. Uh, Tonight in the studio we have my best friend and brother, a true man's man, a musician's musician. (laughs) uh a and fucking maverick a maverick a you know sent from the heavens blessed by the shaolin he's a third degree black belt in brazilian jiu-jitsu so don't don't mess with him uh he goes by the name of levi foe how you doing levi what's up guys
1: it's your boy the podcast king here.
2: Yeah. Oh god. You had, oh,
1: had to get it in right at the
2: beginning. Dude, okay. I, I should have got the like way. the air horn sound effect for beep, that.
0: Beep. Yeah. Carlos, how you doing, man?
2: Dude, I'm I'm feeling great. I feel like I just took a nap basically. So Did you? I'm in that level of like yeah, kinda. Okay. A little doze off earlier. That's but cool. in that so you're like refreshed. Yeah. Just nice. about. We
0: we are we are burning the uh nine PM oil here. Uh in Tampa Bay at the Reyes Estates, Carlos is gracious enough for us to fit in the uh, episode seven at the tail end of this week, of part of our weekly schedule of podcasting. Um, but the man of the hour, too sweet to be sour, Levi Foe, how you
1: doing, man? How's life treating you? I'm doing pretty good, man. Um, I'm, I'm excited to be here. Thank you guys for having me. This is really cool. Absolutely um, the time. Yeah, been a big fan of the show since the start. Oh, thanks. There we go, a, dude For yeah, sure. Humble beginnings. You yeah, know? well, you know It's awesome.
0: Yeah, Carlos Levi told me that he was listening to one of our episodes on the way to the airport once
1: And was like,
0: you guys are really good. You guys like you guys sound like good
1: you know? yeah yeah i sent, i sent cameron like a really nice heartfelt text about yes he did yeah dude we do that feeling, a lot feeling proud because yes. we're not afraid to show sentiment
0: in our yeah. relationship as well as me and you carlos yeah, man. like you can't be afraid of that it's, but
2: like you're saying like i've been seeing just like people like dude huge fan just yeah. like right off the bat just yeah listening it feels good
0: us. and all we're doing is talking shit in a microphone
2: get ready for it florida we're making our footprint here oh yeah absolutely
0: creative loafing i tagged you in some shit last week and you you know didn't respond you off yeah kind of but we will we will get you we'll get you we love you uh tampa bay st pete we will be your face or or your voice if you would like us to be but in the meantime levi foe I I've I've known you for a large majority of my life, but haven't met you until like ten years ago. Literally, has it been ten years now? Yeah, I'd say because I I was eighteen.
1: Yeah, I guess so. I was nineteen. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: you guys have the longest relationship that I know. <sighs> yeah, yeah,
1: but that's the thing. It's like well, that's that's only like as of like. Officially meeting each other, yeah, and mm-hmm. like speaking to each other because we we went to the same elementary school. Um, Cameron was a great. I was a grade above above Cameron, so, so I mean, since you started there in kindergarten, mm-hmm. so we've been like in the same vicinity of each other since two thousand two thousand one. Yeah, passing each other in single file lines and being like.
0: Who's that other brown kid <laughs> handing yeah. out notes in class? Yeah, I, I mean that's we never communicated. There yeah. was never even like a high buy thing. Yeah, until
2: like like until eyes got locked in.
0: Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of knew I, I was like, man, something about that that other chunky brown kid. That <laughs> I bet he's a cool motherfucker, you know. Uh, but we went to elementary school together and then middle school together. And he graduated from our middle school the year before it got torn down.
1: Or it was the year it tore. The tore year, down. the yeah. year they tore Word. it down. Okay. So yeah, when I was in eighth grade, we were—I was the last eighth grade class to graduate from Riviera Middle School. And R.I.P. Yeah, R.I.P. That was a great. That was a great time. This, the eighth grade, especially like the second semester of eighth grade, like when it was—they—they they were trying to fight tearing the school down. Like they were trying to like. You know, not tear it down, but then like, like second semester after we came back from like winter break, it was just like official. This Mad Max shit. Yeah, everyone, even like the teachers, like no one cared what anybody was doing. Like we, we would just like not go to class at all and just (laughs) just walk under the halls and do whatever you want. But I always knew his. Well, I don't know if if I like knew her, but I I knew of your sister more than I did of you, I guess, because she was the. The drum major yeah and band yeah she got me into music yeah yeah very very big uh
0: inspiration on my life and she was sort of like the head of the band and whatnot like very talented lady yeah she's wonderful um but yeah and i went to a different middle school eighth grade year high school we went to different high schools me and him but i still like would see him around that we'd have like peripherally the same group of friends but it wasn't until after i graduated that um our f- mutual acquaintance max started a band um called Bloomline.
2: <laughs> oh <laughs> yeah yeah i remember yeah. hearing about it and
0: it was levi mm-hmm. and max initially and they needed like a bass player yeah and max called me because like i don't know how i knew him we just like Probably smoked weed or something. That's that's kind of all I did back at that time of my life, unfortunately. But um, then I kind of came to Max's garage and I was like, "Oh, that's Levi. That's the (laughs) mythical
1: Levi I had been hearing about all this time. That's so cool." I remember, I remember that that time too. Like we would practice in his garage, and he's like, "Yeah," he's like, "I have this friend that um, you know plays." guitar and you know would be down to play bass with us or whatever and I was like oh okay cool and I remember in my head I was remember thinking man I hope this guy's good (laughs) like I hope he doesn't suck you know (laughs) because I was I think that was like when I had first started to like get serious about like understand understanding what separates good musician from bad musician exactly yeah so I was like man I hope this guy is you know like you know is with it so and then you know when you when it was you I was like oh yeah i I I I know I know you. Yeah, like, we've we we never met, but like I've seen you like my entire life. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you like my entire life. He's not a cop.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but then we uh, quickly outgrew that band. Uh, God bless you, Max. I don't know if you're listening, uh, but bless your heart. But we then uh, moved on to write our own shit. Start writing our own music. That's about the time we came to Mir- the mirror program mutually. Uh, mm-hmm. That's like first semester kind of stuff and then we both met carlos yeah dun, 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 dun. yeah and and carlos was a wizard uh piano playing mi- going there to be a mix engineer which is largely what he does now mm-hmm. uh quite the talented young man the yeah. very nice uh, also brown guy you know that helps yeah you know the kind the mutual. I, I blame it,
2: yeah, I blame it on the Mira program for, like, discovering, like, all these niche individuals that I still, yeah, you know, constantly talk to. It's yeah. just like, oh, yeah, like, I'll rock on, man. Yeah. Keep, and keep fucking playing out there. Do your thing. Yeah, and me and
0: Levi would get together and jam. I don't even know the specifics of that time, but I know we were looking for...
1: So, I I kind of do, because this, yeah, this was recount. kind of, like, a, a pivotal point in my... um life as a musician and like where I sort of found myself to be like multi-instrumentalist mm-hmm. because up until that time I like I picked up guitar in like like late eighth grade or like early ninth grade and played guitar throughout high school and then uh, and throughout that band and then when i'm uh, till I met you and I was still playing guitar the guitar in that band. And like writing, writing music. And then you had a couple songs that you had written and I think we would switch, switch mm-hmm. off. Um, and then when we got to, we found ourselves like at St. Pete college, you and I were, had still been like writing and like talking and jamming and stuff. And I remember we were, you and I were trying to assemble this band. And I think initially I, I was still under the assumption that I was going to be the guitar player. And, and I don't know if we've ever talked about this or not, but, I was under the assumption I would still be the guitar player. And so when Cam, like, you know, one day Cameron showed up to like a, a jam or like a rehearsal or whatever with a couple of these songs that he had written on guitar. And I think maybe even for a short time, you maybe had the idea that I would still be the guitar player. That yeah, you that's just like, what I
0: assumed.
1: Like, yeah, you, so you had these like, these ideas that you had written on guitar, which were like really, really cool. Um, but also like very... Uh, different than the stuff that I was writing, which was my, the stuff I was coming up with. was a lot more straight ahead and like, you know, indicative of like the, the music I had grown up on mm-hmm. and yours was a lot different and indi- indicative of the music that you had grown up on, which was not the same as, as mine. <laughs> yeah. So like, I'm talking on like, you know, you had these like these weird, like angular guitar riffs and like weird mm. chords and stuff that like, I couldn't even like wrap my head around initially so i was like i was like okay i i know i can play this stuff you know what i mean but like it it was just wasn't clicking for me it was a a while i don't mean i don't know if it ever fully clicked for me on guitar so we found like carlos and aaron and um derek yeah Mm, derek yeah and we kind of assembled that band, but I, I think there is a certain point where I was like, maybe I should just play bass and let Cameron play these songs on guitar because he definitely plays them better than I do because he wrote them, obviously. Yeah. Um, but also like, I, I the, the the most I can do is like maybe come up with a complimentary bass part. You know, <laughs> know what I mean? So. And you did. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I I I I did, you know, my best, you know, I, cause I, I was still, for a while, I was like a guitar player playing the bass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but then I kind of I stuck with bass for a while, and then I became like a bass player,
0: pretty damn proficient
1: bass player. <laughs> Thank M- you. I must say, um, yeah, I he <laughs> came I, in swinging. <laughs> I did, I did. I spent a lot of time just just playing bass and like you know making that my instrument. Uh, so I mean, I don't know we how I don't know how long we were together with that group that lineup. At least a year or so. Was the Dylan thing before Adverse Elements? Uh, I think so. Yeah, I think it was, because I I was still playing guitar in that, too. Yeah, funny
0: side story, without, you know, bringing up any real specific names. We were in this group with uh, a, a guy named Dylan, you know, love him to death, and we would go over to his house for rehearsals. Great drummer. Great drummer. Great feel fucking was snapping um and you know not gonna say as as any more names than I need to but there was one point where like we would go up to his upstairs rec room area to practice and we practiced in there practice in there for like two hours maybe maybe three hours or something and then we would just kind of like chill in there because there's like a coffee table sofa and uh one of the one of the last times we were there i think it probably was the last time because this was pretty like oh yeah <laughs> universally like oh
2: shit. yeah
0: <laughs> we we went there and dylan was sitting on the couch with his girlfriend at the time and uh he has like he has like two cats right Me and Levi are sitting on the ground. We're all, yeah. (laughs) We were okay. Don't give it away, Levi. But we were we were sitting around the the coffee table shooting the shit, and the older of the cats comes up, jumps on the couch, and you know, as cats do when they want some pets, you know, they just come up, jump in your lap. Rub all over you and stuff. And uh, it, it jumped on his girlfriend at the time and was like, you know, doing cute cat stuff, rubbing his head on her. And then all of a sudden, the cat just stiffens up like a board. And I don't know if it lets out like a death rattle,
1: but the cat's dead. It like, it, what the in, fuck? In her lap. It like, sl- I remember it slid down her legs like onto the floor. Oh and my was God. like, Ugh. it was just like, it, it was like limp and. and we were like staring at it and like it was it was so surreal just like <laughs> yeah there was a moment of silence of like yeah. what there's a good 10 seconds or so of like what just what is going on like what's up with the cat and like it got it was like, quiet and then like i think dylan or, or his girlfriend like went to like move it and it was just like it was what just dead, gone
2: so it just croaked right there right there, there. Like,
1: yeah it seemingly like painlessly yeah, I mean, yeah. like it didn't. I don't. I don't remember if it made a sound. It it
0: didn't. It wasn't a
1: loud sound. If the it's sound just kinda was kind of like, Ugh. yep. It was like it was like it was like kind of like stretched out and then just like slid down her legs onto the floor and then like and
0: it. like Dylan picked it up and was crying over it and then he called his mom to come up and she started crying. Yeah, I and me and Levi <laughs> were in there just like. We should probably go. <laughs> yeah.
2: So, he's, so he's uncomfortable moments. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh!
1: Uh, so yeah, that was just a quick tidbit about that. Um, yeah, I think that was in between Bloomline and uh, the Adverse Elements. Yeah, our Sniping College group. Pretty
0: pretty big omen. Uh, love you, Dylan. Love you, Nancy. Uh, but then Adverse Elements happened, and it was me, Levi, Carlos, our friend Aaron, and our friend Derek. Um Aaron a really, probably still to this day talented drummer. Yeah.
2: Talented uh, human being. Talented human being. He's doing, like, uh, I think real estate now. Just I could imagine. But with, like, his uh, his mannerism, how he is as a person, is yeah. like, infectious. Yeah, so infectious,
0: like, yeah. very inviting. He's got yes. a way
2: with
1: words. He's a man of God,
2: so. I think
1: I just saw, like, on Facebook, he's, like, having a, a kid now. What? So that's, that's right, really yeah. Cool. Wow.
2: Shout-outs yeah. to you, Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: congratulations to him, man. Um, but
0: we were all just... Playing around, some really. Uh, we were listening to a lot of King Crimson at the time, so there was a lot of uh, time signature f- paraphernalia and uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, it was it was all instrumental, which in hindsight I kind of regret because I sing more now. Yeah, we do, and I yeah, we both sing more now, and we're like we we're, are confident in our voices now. So I I wish I would have back then like stepped up and like grabbed a mic sang a few but yeah. you know hindsight's 2020 20. it was still really fun really good time
1: yeah yeah so <clears throat> I I think so when I was at that time for me um like I was like just playing bass like all the time and then I got to the point I was taking lessons with Alejandro oh yeah and I was like got to, got to the point because for a while, when I was at St. Pete College, I was like, I don't want to go to college for anything if it's not music. You know, I I don't know. I didn't even really want to go for music that bad. But then you know, I met you guys and it got exciting and fun. And um, I I think I, somewhere along those that during that time, I made the decision to try an audition for USF mm-hmm. For, mm-hmm. for bass for jazz performance. And um, so I was doing that for a while. And based after that, even after our group, the ad the adverse elements disbanded i continued playing bass for a lot like quite a few years and that was basically my in into the like i don't know if i'd use the word professional but like you know the music scene in st petersburg being a musical craftsman yeah and like you know making money doing it Mm -hmm. Um, yeah because like i i was after that is when i uh ella jet Mm -hmm. hit me up um and that was like probably 5 or 6 years ago maybe and i i played in her band for a while uh, on bass and i also just but i you know I, I realized also like as a bass player you get a lot more gigs oh definitely cuz mm-hmm. like like an accountant everyone needs a bass player yes and cuz nobody really everybody wants to be the guitar player yep and or the singer. like like i did as well um or the singer yeah or the drummer or whatever yeah. so but I realized I was like oh I get a lot of gigs playing bass this is pretty dope and it's actually like a awesome instrument you know I still love to play the bass so um did that for a while and then all the, all the while uh I had played keyboards because I and when I was in seventh grade I started I took piano lessons for about a year or so before I started playing guitar so like I had always I had always played keyboards throughout middle school and high school and like at the church and um, towards the end of like Ella jet and future soul, that group, I switched to keyboards and guitar again. Mm -hmm. Um, So I guess, you know, that's, that's where I'm at now. I guess most of my, most of the, most of the gigs I play with other bands are on keyboards.
2: Yeah. Could I ask you, uh, I've, I've witnessed your church playing there a few times myself with, uh, Cameron and uh with you Levi at the helm of just like making sure we're all on top of it uh but I also remember uh visiting the Chataway yeah and like just how oh, first off how kind your family was to like just have us you know come to your house back in the day check out the Chataway you guys doing the open mics there mm-hmm. uh would you say it was either Chataway or like with the church or in some combination? like an early foundation of not just playing in a band, but also like being on a stage in some sort. Cause that's like a blessing to have like a, re- a family restaurant where you can oh, yeah. have music yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Um,
1: I think the Chataway was, was definitely a, a place for where I was able to like start, um, playing like on my own, like solo or like duo or trio stuff with like Cameron and, um, other people that was that was a a great place for me to like be able to get comfortable like in front of people like just like playing and singing and and getting used to my own voice i think the church um shout out to city on a hill which is where i i work as a music director and cameron plays as a guitar player and and you just said carlos that you've played there too um and i have all all my other friends that i play with play there regularly um (laughs) I think that I've I've been playing there since almost since they started, I was in Mm. 11th grade. So, I mean, that, that was definitely probably the biggest place that I was able to like play, like play every week. Oh yeah. Play on different instruments, whether it was guitar or bass or keyboards, and then eventually sing in front of people. Um, and get over my fears of doing that because that's always like nerve-wracking when you first start like using your voice in front of other people. And to this day, like, it, I, I'm not, I'm, 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 I'm pretty comfortable doing it now. But like, if I had to like get up and like speak in front of people, like just give a speech, like and just be myself, I would, I would be so nervous.
0: Yeah, like stand-up comedy. We've been, we've talked about that multiple times yeah. about how like it's
1: terrifying. You
0: give the I, I respect the the ever loving stuffing out of like comedians to just get up there and try and win over a crowd with ideas. Yeah. Like we have instruments in our hands or instruments in front of us. And we I'm, do like crowd work kind of stuff. Holy yeah. Cause like dude. what if you do that and it sucks. So you piss off the wrong couple. Absolutely. But but going back to what you were saying Levi especially um that the church is literally the best and if we have any like nine-year-old listeners out there which i'm sure not (laughs) i hope not what are you doing (laughs) but yeah like if, if we were to have like younger listeners and people who are looking to just like refine their skills like go to a church yeah, go find a church. Play yeah, it. and because not only do you get that regularity, there's a rehearsal and it's very regimented. It becomes second nature. But then, like you, you strengthen the muscle of getting in front of people. You strengthen a muscle of using your voice. And great news, the crowd can't boo you. Yeah, they can't get mad at <laughs> no you. Tomatoes, no tomatoes. No tomatoes at all. They will do the exact opposite. They'll just be like, "Oh my god, it was so lovely to hear you up yeah. there," and and like. That's what I love the most about playing at City on the Hill initially and still to this day is, like, everybody there is so... If you were to come up to them between services, I'd be like, oh, my God, you you were so good on, on drums or guitar or bass today or, like, singing. Like, you did so good. I really felt the presence of the Lord, like, when you were singing. And that's...
2: It's lovely to hear. Yeah. You can't not be in a bad mood or when you go there it's just like everyone's just like welcoming you
0: yeah and if you're in a bad room bad mood like you're the problem (laughs) like basically you're the bad guy so like work on yourself a little bit I guess but anyway um yeah I I've seen Levi come out of his shell a lot and I'm still blown away at the the fact that he can get in front of like a room full of people some Sundays or especially on the special event nights like um like Ash Wednesday or Easter Sunday, when the place is like packed. Like this past Christmas, there were like a, an incredible amount of people in there, like sardine fit yeah. kind of kind of amount of people in there. And Levi just gets out up there without batting an eye and just like sings these songs. I mean, you know, we've done the songs a lot, um, many times, but even so, it takes a it takes a set of balls to do, man. So,
1: yeah. and I, I think too, like. There's a level of comfort that exists more so when you're playing at a church mm. that doesn't always exist when you're playing in a, a secular environment. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, I've definitely, I mean, like I've definitely found myself nervous more often on stage if I'm like not at a church as opposed to like being on stage at a church. Yeah, um, but I, I've found that like these days like i usually i'm if i find myself being nervous before a a performance it's nine times out of ten because i just i just feel unprepared Mm -hmm. like i feel like i didn't practice enough for it i didn't like i didn't listen to the songs enough like i don't know my parts well enough you know um it's almost like you've stripped away all the excuses or like all the other
0: excuses like oh I'm not used to playing in front of people or like yeah oh like this that or the other and it just comes down to straight up accountability. Exactly. That's that's yeah.
1: good. It is good, yeah. And it definitely uh it definitely separate some people <laughs> from uh... the boys from the men. Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. And and also like I'm sure I mean I know you guys play have played a lot too in your lives like i'm sure at this point like we've all experienced just about everything that could go wrong on stage yeah, already yeah so it's yeah, like when it happens yeah. now it's like okay just just keep going i mean yeah cuz you know most of the time the average listener's not going to notice mm-hmm. and if they do notice it's, they're not going to hold it against you because like i don't know i heard someone say this i don't i don't know who it was but like when you're when you're on stage, like when you're performing for people, the, they, they want you to win. You know, mm. they're there because I like that. they, they want to hear you, but they they want you to do well. They want you to succeed. Like, no one in the crowd is like looking at you thinking, man, I can't wait for this like, asshole to like mess up. <laughs> yeah. Because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to like roast him. I'm going to like laugh at him so hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'm going to throw tomatoes at him or whatever. Like, they want you to do well. Absolutely. Mm. Mm. And that's, I think that's something that also you like, I've had to remind myself of a lot. Mm -hmm. No matter how big or small uh, an audience is, you know, they want you to do well. Yeah. Nobody wants to see someone fuck up on stage. No. It's it's embarrassing a little bit for the the viewer as well, you know. (laughs) Oh, yeah. I've experienced that secondhand embarrassment. Yeah. For sure. And, like,
0: I I also notice that in, in everyday life, too. If somebody, like, slips or trips or, like... Falls off stage. Eats, sh- eats shit, yeah. you know, in some, like, big or small way, the people around them aren't going to be like, oh my god, you suck, you know? You idiot. Yeah, that's yeah, never no. going to, that's rarely going to happen, and if that does happen, like...
2: You'll hear a couple gasps.
0: You'll hear a <gasps> couple gasps, and, like, somebody will come over and be like, are you, o- are you okay? Yeah. But, like... Nobody's gonna straight
2: up like point and laugh at you unless yeah, they're a demon. It is your fault <laughs> <laughs> unless they're a literal demon. Yeah. Um, but and, and yeah, there's like things that you just can't like control. Oh yeah, out of it.
0: Yeah, I mean going back to Levi's uh, accountability thing. I've, I'm now impervious to playing wrong notes on stage and being, uh, having a cold shower of embarrassment come over my body because I've done it so many times in front of so many people that I'm just like, well, you know, there goes another one. I mean, it's not like a, I'm not necessarily proud of it. I may be proud of it in a, in like a backward way because now I just don't care. Like, I mean, I do care. I I, I do care about getting, presenting the music that's mostly nowadays, not mine, well but like if i just do some crazy bad note and it's like obvious it's just oh
2: i sort of tied that accountability and just honesty as like two things that just kind of have to like be together in some way
1: absolutely like
2: over the weekend we were having like a little bit of an issue with our sound check and it was something that was more related to our uh, 3.5 millimeter cable from the ipad for our background music and so I thought the system was bad, and so I had to like run around check for you know making sure everything was okay. Uh, but once I've reached to the solution, I just was honest like, hey, you know, sorry, we kind of like took uh, fifteen minutes out of this, uh, but we're back and we're ready to get going. Yeah, yeah. So it's just being upfront about it. Yeah. It like, hey, this is what happened, but we're we're here for you now. Yeah, you can't always control it. And I think
1: too, when I whenever I see someone mess up on stage or in, in any scenario like especially if it's a professional person or like a, a famous artist that i really look up to i i almost like like it a lot it's, <laughs> it's like if i'm watching like snarky puppy play and like it's some, human one about the, them. yeah one of those guys like plays a wrong note i'm like oh thank god dude thank god they're not they're, just I mean, robots yeah thank god they're <laughs> like they're like me in that that small way you know what i mean yeah. like they're they're yeah. they're, they're, cap- they're capable of making a mistake cuz yeah,
0: not not necessarily celebrating that mistake but being like okay well at least i can see that that's attainable yeah, yeah. like there's an attainability about that and they're not just jazz robots you could be human about it. yeah
2: yeah there's like an old video of Corey henry just doing lingus but um they're all just like after like several beers it's like semi drawing he's just like,
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, dude. Like you just it, having fun with it. Basically. I'd love to see that. Yeah, I, I got. I got to check out that video. But uh, moving on from music, Levi, I wanted to pick your brain since this is half music, half spirituality podcast. We are circling that target with every episode. Me and Carlos. I wondered because you turned me onto a book uh, when I was about like twenty, twenty-one. Yeah. maybe 22 when was the first time you read it it's it's the book conversations with god by neil donald walsh uh an incredibly ent- interesting book and uh it's it's a really feel good book but when when did you first read it
1: um i think i me. Th- i think i was like 19 or 20. It was right i think i was 19 or 20. um at the, my mom's boyfriend at the time gave me the book and he was like, Hey, I think you should check this out. Peter? Yeah. Oh dude, I love that guy. Yeah, he's he he's the one that gave me the book. And um You know, I, I you know, it's like whenever when anyone like gives you a book to read, like most people are like, Okay, cool, yeah. And they just d- don't read it. You yeah. know, like and I love giving g- books as gifts to people, especially books that I know that like that I that I've read and that I know would like make a difference in someone's life. But, like, I, I always know, like, they're not going to read this, at least not anytime soon. And, like, I, I, he gave it to me when I was, like, probably, like, 18. or And I, I just sat on my shelf for, like, a year and a half. And then finally I read it, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is amazing. This is, this is the best book I've ever read. And um, it really changed my life a lot. And, I, for like, you know, for those of you who don't know, like, what it, what it is, it's basically this uh, the author, Neil Donald Walsh, uh, sits down to write this, like, angry letter at God. And I think the, the book was written, like, in 1994 or something like that. And basically, God starts talking back to him through through himself. So, you know, so the book is basically just a dialogue between the author and God. And so he's asking God all these questions that most people would want to know the answers to most people would have these questions for God, you know, like, why is my life not the way I want it to be? Like, why, why can't I ever make enough money? Why can't my relationships ever go smoothly? And, you know, any, anything you can think of, is probably in that book. Um, and it's, it's, it's really interesting. And in, in, even if you, if you don't necessarily believe in God, you know, and just read the book as, you know, maybe fictional or, you know, some kind of narrative, like I, I think, you know, you can still pull out some really awesome things from it. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah. So after, I mean, I've, I've probably read it like, I don't know, five or six times now. And like, I give it to like everyone that's, you know, means something to me in my life, you know, like you and, you know, my family and other friends and other partners that I've had, um, yeah, and it's it's really beautiful. Um, yeah,
0: you you turned me on to it at a time when I kind of, like, needed to hear some of the stuff mm-hmm. in it, for sure, because I was on my beginnings of a spiritual path. I, I grew up in a, a basically Southern Baptist household, and we would go to church every Sunday, and um, between here and North Carolina, anytime, we'd go to church every Sunday, and I never really like played in the band or anything, but I heard the message, especially when I was younger, and from what I could glean from it, have you ever had like a a spiritual like understanding of what like a preacher was saying or what maybe even a speaker secular was saying? Like they say something and then it like it changes your physiology a little bit, like you get goosebumps or like the hair stands up. Like like it was meant just for you exactly exactly and i experienced that a few times when i was a kid got baptized did all that stuff but then like as the hormones start to flow you start to get this um this little creepy emotional part of you starts to kick up and talks to you talks to you and and starts to tell you how like this or that is false and whatever it may be there's there's a it's a, it's a rite of passage, but it is a self-righteousness that knows no bounds when you're like a kid coming of age in adolescence. Mm. And that materialized for me as going away from the Baptist background and being like, you know, getting into scientists like Richard Dawkins and neil degrasse tyson and people who were talking about the stars and biology and stuff which is still very interesting and relevant and pertinent like they are still i'm not saying i'm not discrediting those people but um definitely takes you it takes the the magic out of life and it takes like the mystique out of life um and really like bummed my parents out for sure they were like what's what's wrong with you? Like, I, I, like, didn't we raise you better than this? And they definitely did. Um, but I was on my spiritual path back to some sort of comfort because it, it does provide a comfort, not in a like bad connotative way, but it gives you like a comfort in existing, you know, yeah. to, mm. to know that there's something out there that cares. It's not necessarily a man in the sky, but some force out there that, set all the you know chemical and physical uh mechanisms into motion the great architect the great architect exactly um and getting back to that i read like a lot of law of attraction stuff like the secret and asking it is given which is another book that me and levi talk a lot about yeah you
1: gave me that book oh did i shortly after i gave you um conversations and just to speak to what i said about when you give someone a book, they don't read it. I didn't read that book. Like, <laughs> Come on, dude. Dude, I didn't read that book until like a year and I had two years ago. <laughs> dude, <it's>
0: like... <laughs> I wondered where my book went. Cause I was like, man, I knew I had this book and I, I gave it to you. Damn, but,
1: well, when I finally read it, I was like, oh shit, damn, this is awesome. Like, why didn't I read it sooner? But like that's, that's you know, it's true. Like, you, you know, you give someone a book, they're not going to read it. Yeah. But, um,
0: but usually, usually. I, yeah. There's a lot of overlap, too, between like asking it is given and conversations with God um, where, you know, so what would be the answer? Y- you posed a few kind of common FAQs, you know, frequently asked questions by a human. The The one about uh, why isn't my life going the way I want it to go? And And what did you glean from the book in that respect?
1: Um, With
0: respect to that question, I should say,
1: yeah. Um, okay, I'll do my best to to reiterate it because I'm 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 typically not that great at this. But, um, base, one of the one of the tenets of the book is that all thought is creative, and a lot of a lot of people have thoughts that uh, have like thought patterns and processes that they might not necessarily be conscious of that are like automatic or you know just unchecked baked in yeah exactly and like whether it's like oh like the world is out to get me or like you know like everyone like nobody's ever on my side or you know and can't trust anybody yeah i can't mm-hmm. trust anyone and when you go through life with those those thought patterns you kind of put a filter on everything you experience that will fulfill that prophecy that idea you have about the world um so like basically just um paying attention to what you're thinking about and i I know you guys have talked about this a lot you know in in different ways like one of one of the biggest ones is obviously meditation
2: Mm. you know
1: and like slowing that down and then like being the uh What's the word you use? Uh, the not the is it the experiencer, or not the experiencer? Just the the viewer of the thoughts, basically. Yeah, yeah, like uh, div- uh cultivating the awareness mm-hmm. is yeah. what a lot of people say. Yeah, um, and basically, like we we ultimately create everything we experience in our life, whether we're doing it intentionally or unconsciously and when i when I thought about that I mean that that's a huge statement to make, and you know there's there's there are probably tons of people that would say, "Well, you know, what about my daughter that died in a car accident? Are you telling me that mm-hmm. I created that mm-hmm. experience you know and I don't have the answer for that person directly, you know, but read the book and it'll it d- does a wonderful job of of going through a lot of those a lot of those scenarios or like you know attempts to throw a wrench in an otherwise you know beautiful sounding idea about god and and the universe in your life um but yeah so then one of the other ones is like um talk there's a whole chapter on relationships yeah and uh it's chapter eight if 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 anyone's like not that into the idea of the book just go read chapter eight yeah. Like that that chapter alone is just like is amazing and like has helped me countless countless times in my relationships whether romantic or platonic or family or whatever. Um and I think the biggest thing that I pulled from that is um the idea is basically like let each soul let each person only focus on self. Like the the greatest thing you can do in a relationship is be selfish and not like you know, like, let me make sure I get the best of everything and, like, only care about myself and only look out for myself. But only concern yourself with how you are being. Like, the thoughts that you're thinking, the words that you're saying, how mm. you're saying them. Because a lot of times people have this idea about the relationship. is like they only care about the other person, you know. Like, I wasn't complete until I met this person. Um, when really it should be about two people sharing their completeness with each other yes yeah because you know you know everyone has has probably experienced that in a relationship you know where you are so in love with this person and like you think oh they complete me i would be nothing without them and that's such a fallacy and that's such a harmful way of uh thinking and feeling about someone else in the long term because that puts such an insane amount of pressure on that person to behave and act in a certain way that will ensure that you remain happy. Absolutely. Um, so basically to only only focus on yourself, like how what am I being, what am I doing in relationship to this person or this scenario that I'm in with this person?
0: Um, yeah, and, and also to add on to that, it's like the person that is the your beloved at that time loved you because right before that you were in a state of being quote unquote selfish. Right. You were you were focused on you. You were mm-hmm. focused on your betterment, you know, whether it's physical health, mental health, or like fiscal health, you know, yeah. like you you were thinking of yourself. You didn't have another person to care for and to offload these things onto. And so that self sovereignty is the attractive is the point of attraction initially.
1: Yeah. And then when you get into that relationship with that other person that slowly or sometimes not slowly just shifts to that person now and you're, you're just focused on, on either what you can do for them and how you can make their lives better according to how you feel or how they can make your life better and how they can make you feel better. And then that attraction that they had to you initially, because you were so focused on yourself, like, kind of turns into resentment, mm. and then preach. Then you get, you know, you have all these like dumb little fights that you get into, and you know, you then you get to a point in a relationship, where, like, well, like what happened? Like, why are we like, why are we like this now? Like, why are we so um at each other's throats or whatever? And then you sometimes maybe you realize it. Maybe you realize, okay, well, it's it's because I'm too focused on you and not focus enough on myself. And if the person you're with isn't really like hip to that idea, you know, we aware, aware of that enough, you know, they'll, they'll see you as like, maybe not caring enough about them or, um, not being interested in enough about them. And, you know, they'll tell you, Oh, you've changed. Yeah. But in like, in, it's
0: crazy because in reality, that's the exact thing you should be doing in order to keep the relationship at a point of stasis that's healthy for both parties involved like you know if i were to be building a business right and then get into a relationship with somebody and then that monopolizes my time by either parties like actions um or desires of like wanting maybe some oversaturation of being together Mm -hmm. you let go of that business that you're building then you know That was, that was a point of attraction. That was something that they looked up to you for. And it's crazy how Mm. love can turn to resentment so quickly. Yeah. Um, but so the book is saying that it's best to be selfish in those times. And it's funny you said it a, a minute ago, but I think it's probably from reading that book and talking to you about it, that like, yeah, my mission statement of what a relationship should be—I'm not currently in a relationship—but like, my mission statement for a relationship is when it works out best is when two people are basking in each other's completeness. Yeah, you know, it's—it's it's not about fifty percent meets fifty percent to create a hundred percent, because you know, like as you said, it puts a lot of unwanted pressure, and mm-hmm. which then turns to resentment, and you know, it's a—it's a vicious cycle, but. I think with with just time and the balancing of your inner physiology and the chemicals in your brain, you kind of realize that. Hopefully, you know, if if you have cultivated the awareness enough,
1: yeah, you know. And if you're lucky enough to have a partner who has also done so, yeah, proof that is that is a uh, that is a paradisal dream, and also uh i'm i think somewhere else in the book it, it also mentions you know not not knocking another person for not quite being there yet oh yeah if they're not there on their like spiritual journey you know that's that's totally okay you know they're just you know obviously not where they probably need to be or should be in order for the two of you to coexist absolutely
0: uh, effectively yeah, there's a there's a thing of, in in Buddhism where they talk about, um, you know, if you if you see a quality in another person, and this can be outside of uh, relationships that are romantic, it can be just platonic. Um, if you see a quality in another person that you don't like, that's your problem. Yeah, you know, and if they say something that that's offensive to you and hurtful to you, that's their problem. But the fact that you have built this mind net around them now of like, oh man, that guy sucks or that, that shit's mean, you yeah, know, target. like, yeah, that, that is giving your power away in a sense, yeah. the power of being seated and cultivating
2: the awareness that can see those resentments and those your time and energy. Yes, yeah. you, you can't, it's like a hate watching. I've heard that term on YouTube hate watching where you just uh i guess people just hate like a certain video creator or whatever and so they would just watch their content as a way to just like comment nasty shit or it, that is it's so weird. counterintuitive yeah because you're just giving them ad ad money or <laughs> yeah, something like yeah, that that's that's so ass backwards <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> that's really stupid um
0: <laughs> yeah but but good point I, I didn't i didn't even know about that but the um yeah because ultimately you can't control where somebody else is but having love and empathy for the many people you come in contact with not to a point of like self-flagellation where you're letting people walk all over you and stuff you still got to stand up for yourself but meet somebody where they're at yeah learn how to empathize yeah
1: and I, i one of the one of the things that i've experienced recently in my life and at different points in my life since you know not to sound like an asshole but like my spiritual awakening i'm sure there's a better term for it you know around that time you know i was 20 19 or 20 um when i first started to develop a relationship with god for myself like an actual like a personal relationship you know the one that made sense and felt right to me mm-hmm. and that not one that was taught to me by another some, a person or a book or a religious institution or whatever. Yeah. Um, that you can be, oh, I, I, I've found myself in t- places where I I'm in like a really great, uh, a really great spot spiritually and like emotionally and like feel like I'm really like in tune and, and connected, you know, and like in a place where, I could be in a relationship, you know, like that and, and, and really do well within one. Um, and then I've also been in places where I haven't been, you know, and, and I've kind of just within the last year or two, like realized and been able to accept and understand for myself that that's totally normal and that like, it's, it's, it's cool. It's okay to like, to be like not in tune you know, um, there is a term that like I would Peter and I would use when you're like you know, you're you're making you're making all the like the best choices, like you're you're going with like your highest thought is a term used in the book. Um like uh riding the wave or something along those lines, you know, when there's been a lot of times in my life where I have been riding the wave and mm-hmm. you know, everything is just working out for me. Yeah. Great, right, you know. And other times when you're not, you know, so I think, like, it's just as much as it is, like, kind of, like, an upward battle, you know, just, like, life in general and spirituality and all those things, it's also kind of, I think there's also some, some hills and valleys in there, you know, And to the thing that I've had to, like, kind of come to terms with and reassure myself with is to to not let it mean that I'm, like, I failed in any way you know
0: yeah and and it's hard to do it's it's like but that's where the joy i feel can come in when you realize like man i am way off base right now like i am nowhere near where i should be that's it's maybe distressing initially when that thought comes to you but ultimately it's your highest self or god talking to you yeah and trying to be like hey Remember how it used to be back when shit was going real good? Yeah. Like We can get there again, you know? And like I was thinking when you were just saying it's sort of um, there's somewhat of a a conveyor belt image that came to my mind where it's like whatever you're feeding your brain and your consciousness, whether it's what you're watching, reading, listening to, it gets embedded in the, you know fingerprint of how you occur as a person Mm. to yourself and to other people. And so that's the importance of having a spiritual practice that, you know, may include meditation, physical movement, prayer, some sort of just lifting your thoughts and, and feelings to a higher thing, like an idealized image of a God, of an all loving God, whatever persuasion that's, that's what I feel like all religions are kind of going for. You know, is to set this ideal of a perfect being to stretch yourself to meet where they are. And, you know, Christianity is, I feel like one of the religions where it stretches to meet you as much as you stretch to meet it sort of thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but men, all, all religions are are after the same thing. And if you are doing that consistently through a spiritual practice, whatever you decide to practice, um, it it cleans up that conveyor belt. Yeah. Like the, the bad can get dashed away and replaced with good. And so whatever gets fed through that conveyor belt can start to be clean and pure and no matter what your you know mental conveyor belt comes up against in your external experience in your waking life you'll have like a deep-seated safety and comfort like comfort is is too weak of a word i feel but like well well-being like yeah. to borrow from the abraham hicks like a state of well-being that you feel at all times regardless of the external situation at ease at ease you know because Chilling. <laughs> cool in it you know because like you know at the end of the day it, bad things are going to happen
1: but it, there's also great things that happen mm-hmm. yeah and the, i it's important to remember that the bad things that happen are are arguably just as important as the good things that happen and that's that's really hard to accept that's a very dry and large pill to swallow yeah Because you can't have one without the other.
0: Yeah. Yep. You know, and and ultimately,
1: like the bad things
0: sometimes lead you to getting opportunities, meeting new people, getting more time to think about these things that we're talking about now. Yeah. You know, whether it's like losing a beloved, losing a loved one to death, or, you know, moving away, losing a job, whatever calamity happens. And it's there's something in Catholicism that is communicated that I heard communicated by a bishop where he was saying um, to kind of answer that question you were talking about, like, why did my son have to die? You know, he was like six years old. The dude had his whole life ahead of him. Why did that happen? A seemingly blind tragedy that just comes out of nowhere. It's like. They, I've heard it reasoned. From this bishop that it's i mean god in, is entrusting you and that will bring you closer to god like maybe not right now when you're crying your eyes out not being able to sleep you know but it's like a fork in the road where you can either stray away completely and live a, a pretty rough life honestly like a a very cold and calculated life and start to develop those thoughts you were talking about, like the world's against me, I always lose. Or you can use, take the other fork in the road and you you trust in God more. And it you get stronger, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And the trial by fire is never nice, never feels good in the moment. But there's many situations I can look
2: back now in my life where there was a definitive loss. There's a definitive loss. There's a definitive uh, heightened awareness now, instead of it just being like within a straw view, like uh, being in a car wreck, stuff like that. Then you just like are aware of like, well, yeah, maybe I should drive slower. Yeah, maybe I should be nicer to people. Yeah, that doesn't come in the moment.
0: It doesn't come in the moment. The moment you're
2: like, damn it dude like like, what the fuck yeah
0: i hope this lady drives off a bridge (laughs) you know um and i've been there but ultimately like if you look back on those events months ahead or a year ahead it's like oh well if that didn't happen this wouldn't have happened if that if that didn't happen i wouldn't have met this person so
1: yeah and i just want to say real quick not to um stray too far but you're killing it with the um, metaphors. Like uh, you said something a minute ago that just stuck in my brain. Um, you said, is it a fingerprint on how you occur as a human being?" <laughs>
0: yeah,
1: I try, bro. <laughs> Do You practice those, or does it just? No, I, I
0: got, I got the "as you as you occur" from my friend Bob Devin Jones, who oh, okay, we will have on this podcast, um, but he said i mean it's the same effect like he said that once and i was like oh how you occur yeah. Ooh, i'm <laughs> taking that you know <laughs> you build your own little tapestry of cool shit yeah you know um but and that book also has some sequels to it right like you, you let me borrow friendship with god
1: yeah so there's the a whole series um so it's the the like subtitle is uh it's The full title of the book is Conversations with God and Uncommon Dialogue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, so there's Conversations with God. There's one, two, three, and four. And the fourth one only just came out within the last like five or six years, I want to say. So it's been, you know, he's been writing these books for a long time. And then, yeah, so there's Friendship with God, which is really a really cool book, too. Um, He kind of talks more about his own his own life and his own upbringing growing up Catholic and um, how that affected him. And then there's one called communion with God, which is more of like a meditative kind of uh, concepts in practice mm-hmm. type of book. And yeah, so the conversation, conversations with God, book one is, is all about, mostly about personal spiritual truths and experiences. Two is 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 more about um, uh, like societal and worldly spiritual truths and experiences and how we relate to each other more in the world around us. And then book three is about universal uh, truths and concepts and ideas. And that one, I had to read that one like twice or so before I was able to really like kind of get what was going on that one's pretty cerebral to be to be honest and then i haven't read the fourth one yet i have that on my bookshelf but i haven't read it yet it's called awaken the species cerebral sounds interesting what,
0: what do you mean by like um, what, what what concepts are
1: he talks about um and i don't i don't want to like uh like spook anybody or like make anyone think You know, the dude's crazy. Spook us out. Um but there's gonna be
0: people that think this dude's crazy. Well yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: Can't help that. But um he talks about uh time. Um and I'm I can I can state the concept, but I'm I'm not I'm not gonna be able to like explain it very well at all. So um the idea that time is not linear, like time is like everything is happening at once Mm. and Basically, you're able, you can, you can experience other, uh, like dimensions or or something like that, like other things happening at the same time, like, because there's no past and there's no future. There's only one moment of now. So like Renaissance Italy is happening right now. Technically, you could say that. I think, yeah. Um, but like Deja Vu, I think he talks, he, he explains, like he talks about how Deja Vu is, is a form of that. Like, you know, like when everyone's had Deja Vu and it's like, oh, wow, this is just really bizarre right now. Like I, mm. I know for a fact I've experienced this exact scenario with these exact people and these exact words. Mm. Like that's that's a, a, a sort of, you know, form of that, like, yeah experiencing a little bit of something on a different plane maybe
0: i think you you described it or, or somebody else described it as like as opposed to looking at life like like a film reel where like it's a bunch of still images right next to each other in sequential order it's like somebody took each frame and chopped it up and then just stacked them on top of each other
1: yeah think of it as like a um like a ticket spike in a diner and all the all the orders are like going on the ticket spike ah, after they've been Yeah. After they've been
2: kinda like served. a glitch in the matrix. That's,
1: yeah. That's a thing. That, exactly. Yeah. Um and, and, and in the first book too, he talks about like the nature of God and like what God is and like it's really good. Please read it. If you're listening to this, please read the book. Um <laughs> But then in the book three he talks about um <laughs> t- he t- he talks about um, uh, aliens, basically, but he oh, he doesn't use it, he doesn't use the term shit. aliens. He uses the term um, highly evolved beings. Beings, okay,
0: evolved, highly evolved beings. What what are these highly evolved beings like? Capable of? Or um,
1: How do they function? Basic, uh, like they're capable of anything, really. I mean, they've they've kind of like. People are going to think I'm crazy talking about this. But no, no no one's going to clip clue. this out and say, hey, this is Levi, by the way, saying this. <laughs> is Levi Poe believes in aliens. <laughs> Tim bro. Yeah. Yeah. I do believe in aliens. Oh, yeah. Um, How can you not? Know? Or highly evolved beings. Um, basically, you know, like they've... They've... One of the concepts... I think one of the concepts in the first book is he talks about um, masters. So, like, Jesus was a master. You know, he... Like a master is like someone that has art, like already knows all the possible outcomes to any any choice that they could make, and always chooses the best possible choice. Mm. You know, mm-hmm. they already know what it would feel like to not take their little their little sister to the movies with them and their mm-hmm. and their friends. You know what I mean? They just do it out of love, you know, because they love their sister or whatever. You yeah, know? that's kind of like a, a a tiny version of that. But, um, so. Basically, like, you know, imagine like a whole, a whole, uh, society a or race. a whole race of Jesuses, Whew. like a whole society of people that always automatically, um, uh, take the choice that comes from love. So that's one of the biggest concepts in the book that I just reminded myself of one of the biggest things is that every choice is either a choice based out of fear or based out of love. Those are the only two emotions Preach. and every other emotion stems from either fear or love. So like, you know, like the lock screen on my phone for the longest time has been, um, what would love do now? That's the only, really, that's the only question that you should ask yourself whenever you're doing anything. Mm in your life Mm -hmm. and if you're always choosing the choice that is based out of a thought or a feeling of love then you should be just fine damn Mm.
0: yes sir
1: and that's easier said than done a lot of times very
0: i mean very much so but wouldn't you say like
1: it's usually pretty clear yeah what what that choice is right like The loving choice as opposed to the fear the fearful choice
0: absolutely and and I, it's and highlighted
1: I, I think like like
0: yeah highlighted that's a, that's a good way to put it like through meditation and like quieting the mind quieting the thought stream or at least slowing it down to a point where you have better discernment with it it's like you can you can feel the sensation of what love is more readily mm-hmm because you're more in tune. like if you if you've cultivated the awareness to the point where you can feel love that's like concentrated, distilled, you know, because there there's been times in your life, nights, days, whole periods of your life where you felt love for the people around you or for the experience you or the experience you were experiencing at that time, that thought, that feeling is like, it's a substance in and of itself that can be extracted from the visions you have associated with that time, you know, like at the end of the day, it is a sensation within you.
1: Yeah. It's energy. Mm.
0: It's energy. Yeah. And I feel if you do spiritual practice, meditation specifically in my mind, I'm thinking of you, you can reach those stages or, you know, have access to those stages more readily than another person um not in a in a competitive or you know denigrating way to that other person but it, it, you'll make better decisions yeah essentially because that energy will be there and you'll feel it you'll be, it'll be highlighted like you said yeah. carlos like it'll be it'll be highlighted within your experience and then boom like that's that's the choice i'm making you know even if it
2: even if it's hard for me to do you know I feel like uh, now going into our later 20s, early 30s, whoever's out there, you'll start to also kind of like get that feeling much more easier. I think as as a child, it was just kind of like yourself, like, oh, I I want this. I want that. And you could either think of that as either from love or from fear. But now it's like as I get older and maybe wiser, who knows? I can like feel like, yeah, this is what a fearful self of mine would choose. Where if yeah. I'm like just angry, I can, I, I would start like just putting like thoughts into my head. It's like, yeah, I, I'm becoming more aware of that. Yeah. You know, you know, and it makes it easier to like give people credit for things
0: and to compliment people and to like let somebody know they're doing good if you can understand that like yeah i'm trying to f- trying to function from a place of love right now and it would be a, a decision of fear if i if you say you enjoy a quality about a person specifically how they are you know or something that they do like it's and something a sensation in you comes up to be like tell that person that you appreciate them Like I'm never afraid to tell somebody that I appreciate them and I'm thankful to them because like if you, if you, if that sensation comes up in you or that, or that thought
1: comes up to you and you're like, nah, 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 I don't want to look bad. then That's fear.
2: Mm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of, like a lot of times like that in those situations, like, um, you have to act on it really quickly Mm -hmm. because it's, it's so, I think it's so natural for humans to like have a love filled thought come up in their head and then a, a fear a fearful thought come to like mask that and be like no don't do that because you're gonna look stupid or you're gonna look weak or you're gonna look like this or whatever you know
0: yeah through that conditioning you were talking about initially
1: mm-hmm. you yeah know, the... and i think the, the more you make like kind of what carlos just said like you know the more you make those decisions out of love the the easier it gets to do that and the and the more like you know you build that momentum up and that's exactly what i was referring to when i uh that phrase that peter and i used to use like you know riding your wave yeah that's exactly what that yeah. is the ball is rolling at a yeah, even but, click yeah that's exactly what that is is you're making all your choices out of love and everything as a result everything is working out for you like abraham Hicks says
0: man yeah it's like uh it's something to shoot for it's a it's a worthy goal and it's a worthy way to live and if anybody out there is not in a place like that and hearing this and is like you guys are crazy let this be the wake-up call uh, you let this yeah let this be the wake-up call let, let this be an introduction to an, a new way of thinking maybe or a
1: lighter way of thinking or even even just just make one choice the next the next thing that comes up in your life whatever it is no matter how small you know as, just ask yourself like am i doing this out of fear or am i doing this out of love whether it's like the smallest thing like like brushing your teeth at night you know yeah you know it's like oh yeah I'm, I'm too lazy to get out of bed i'm really comfortable i'm about to fall asleep or whatever you know yeah you know it's like no let me go brush my teeth because i love myself and i want to mm. you know
0: preserve, keep my shits yeah
1: preserve my teeth and yeah not be, you know messed up looking <laughs> <laughs> that'd be some snaggle tooth
0: bastard walking the streets yeah you know selling roses on a median in a highway
1: somewhere and that's like when you when you kind of when you boil it down to that small of a, a concept it's it it makes life it's a little bit easier to like to to go through you know um and it's it's certainly something that's helped me wh- like feel a little bit more comfort when i'm making a decision to do something that might, that I might not be sure of in the moment, you know, Mm -hmm. like, uh, I'm not really, sometimes it's, sometimes it's, it's difficult to discern if it's the most loving choice to make, but you know, usually it's not, but like, you know, in the, in the situations where it is, you know, like if it's like a career move or, you know, like a decision to go to college or a decision to end a relationship or to begin a relationship or whatever, um, join a band you know or or something along those lines whatever it is um you know you make the choice and then see how it feels but you know the only thing that you can do if you make a choice that you don't like the outcome of is to just make another choice you always have the power to do that yeah and that sounds like stupidly simple but you know it's it's something that is like definitely comforted me and a lot of decisions I have made, yeah, you know, and it kind of frees you from a little bit of the like, oh, I'm stupid for doing that, you know? You yeah, because because you, you were you were using what you
0: thought was your best self in that moment, yeah. That you, when you chose that mm-hmm. thing, and I I don't I don't know if this has like necessarily a correlation, but it it could. I, I've mentioned on the podcast a couple times, like the Atomic Habits that book. I think the guy's name is James Clear. It's yeah. a it's a book that's, like, super popular. Everybody loves it. And it, it, there's a lot of really good information. And it's more practical about external, like, life, career, fitness, finance sort of moves. But, yeah. like, if you injected some spirituality in that, there's a term in the book that, like, a lot of people use where he, he he's talking about systems over goals. I was talking about this with Jordan. Yeah, I heard you. guys. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, like, you don't raise rise to the level of your goals you fall to the level of your systems Mm -hmm. and so what what could be the benefit of creating a system in your life of asking yourself like what would love do now Mm -hmm. in every instance if you just made that like second nature usually takes like 21 days for something to set in as second nature in your life um habitually you know what i'm saying you'd be the next jesus bro maybe i mean when you were just talking about <laughs> yeah, yeah, your yeah, church when you were you know, when you were talking about jesus like being one of those highly evolved beings mm. like imagine that that'd be that'd be crazy to just be sure. so sure of every action you were doing yeah that, not, not think twice about anything not think twice about anything cuz there's no hesitation in Yeah, any of the red text of the bible from what i understand it's no doubt no and dude walked on water cured the blind rose a dude from the dead made wine made wine out of water dude yeah and just because he was like my connection is He
1: he never thought he couldn't
0: do it yeah he's got a 5g connection to the to the most high he's got like a, a 10g connection yeah he's got it's ethernet plus wired Wi-Fi. ethernet <laughs> <laughs> 10 he's gigabit a, Ethernet. he's got a 10 gigabit connection like <laughs> pentagon level of internet connection to the most high yeah he's just making decisions from there that's uh the nsa agrees <laughs> Yeah. Jesus is the most connected man to ever have lived. Shout out to Jesus. Yeah, shout out to Jesus. Big up, man. The cool, the guy was cool. You got him on. I see you got him on the wall over here. Oh yeah, he's watching over us. Can't he's, leave it. <laughs> he's like, y'all right. Y'all right about that though. Yeah. The,
2: the- um, so I want to ask uh, Levi something a little different from what we were just talking about, but no, no, noticing that you've been playing with uh, Christopher James. Yeah. And also I remember, I think it was like within the last leg of uh, last year with the Reese brothers. Yeah. Um, tell me if there was like any sort of like uh, logistical challenges. I know we've also mentioned about things that we can't control. Just like, oh, just, you know, strings broke or something happened with the instrument. Any, anything that maybe that we're discussing now is kind of like an applied practice from, you know, just those moments being on the road, playing Multiple yeah, shows. Yeah, for sure. um So
1: I can talk about um recently, a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month ago now. I'm I'm so bad with like dates and like things like that. And in, in the past, when like, but I, it was like f- three to four, maybe five weeks ago. We Christopher James opened up for Ashley Smith and the Random Occurrence oh, yeah. at the Straz Center. He gave
0: me live feed from that show. That shit was popping, dude. They yeah. killed
1: it. They did
0: really good.
1: Yeah, it was a great show. Levi um, had a great solo I on one of the songs. Solo, he yeah. had a really, really good solo. Yeah, on the the uh, Fender, the this like a '74 Fender Rhodes that Christopher James just gave to me for Christmas, which is insane. He's he's the nicest human being alive. Uh, I love that guy. Yeah, dude. Um, and it, funny enough, I got it. I got it like just like worked on a little bit, you know, like adjust the action and. Um, I looked up the serial number and I found out there's, there's a pretty high probability that that Fender Roads that I currently own was built on my birthday in 1974, hmm. March 7th. Dude, look at that. Cause it, Whoa. the, the serial number, the way the serial numbers work for those models, like they just give you the week of the year it was made. And it's the 10th week of the year, I think is, is the first week of March. So there's a chance it, it was made on my birthday. So that thing was like, meant for me but um <laughs> anyways yeah so we played at the Straz, and um you know all the the people all the the crew that worked there they're all union you know mm-hmm. so they have like these mandated breaks when they like the stage has to be black you know no one's no one's in there and like they're on their lunch or whatever. why's it got to be black dark <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's I'm weird just joking. um no uh but so we were we had this like we had an hour and a half sound check, which is like unheard of. Like unless you're like, you know, you know, a, a big, a big name. Like that's that's the longest sound check I've ever had in my entire life. Um, and we had an hour and a half. We we're a five piece band, so you know, normally our sound check's thirty minutes tops. You know, mm-hmm. so we 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 got the monitors dialed in in thirty minutes, and then we just were able to just kind of like run basically the whole set at sound check, which is which is really rare, also um and we got the monitors dialed in christopher has recently been using in-ears for his vocals to like you know not scream his throat out every night so we got the monitors dialed in they sound great you know um and and we we're off stage until you know uh like our downbeat and then we get it we you know we start playing and all of our monitors are just off like there's nothing in the monitors yeah. except uh, for i think my nord was in the monitor that's it so all i'm hearing is like the organ patch that i have on the nord and like nothing else so like we're all like freaking out because it's like there's like you know a couple, that took
2: time to get ready yeah, yeah
1: and there's like a couple hundred people like you know watching us right now and like side note for
0: all the people who are unmusical uh or,
1: or don't are not used to
0: um you know performing arts What's what's a monitor mix, Levi? Um,
1: yeah, okay, so a monitor mix is uh, if you're, you know, a musician, if you're on a stage, um, you have a small speaker on the floor facing you, so that way you can hear uh, yourself and your fellow bandmates, basically. You yeah. know, everyone on stage has their own different mix because they want to hear, everyone wants to hear more of themselves and maybe a little bit less of the guitar, or the bass player wants to hear more bass and more drums, whatever. So... We get on stage, and our our, our monitors, uh, speakers are just off. There's nothing except for, like, my keyboard, one of my keyboards in it. So we're all, like, looking around, like, like bug-eyed, like, freaking out because it's, like, showtime, and, like, you know, there's nothing in our monitors. And we can only hear Christopher through the main speakers, like, going well, to the house. Oh. <laughs> and oh, so... Hurts. Christopher is like we're all like looking at the, the the monitor guy on the side of the stage who's positioned there so we can make eye contact with the band members and adjust things on the fly if that mm-hmm. needs to happen. And so we're all like freaking out, like we all like we're all like pointing to like the 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 mic and then like pointing our fingers in the air like up for more and like the whole the whole set like we got we got the vocal Christopher's vocal back in there, but like the whole time like. Our monitors were so messed up. That whole shit, the whole set. So yeah. that was kind of a bummer because, like, to us on stage, if you know, we can't hear ourselves properly, and you know, we feel like we're not performing as well as we could. Oh yeah. Um, but do
0: you, do you feel that had anything to do with the capacity
1: of the people that were in there? No, r- really. I mean, no, because I mean, it was yes, but like, it I I would have never thought that because our monitor engineer was. He was a young guy. He was like our age, you know, late 20s, early 30s, and he was very competent. He, yeah. he, he clearly knew what he was doing. You know, he clearly knew how to how to work the board that they had there at the Straz, and he saved he saved our monitor presets for, you know, when we came back on stage. So, you know, it's, it, sh- it should be as simple as... Just how you left it. Yeah, Recall. simple as recalling it, loading up the, the scene, and then our monitors are exactly the way they were at Soundtrack. But that wasn't the case. So, um, Christopher threw his, his ears off. Took his took his in ears out. I think he ended up accidentally like stepping on him and crushing him too that night. So he had to, he had to get new ones made. But yeah, so that's I mean that's probably one of the biggest shows I've ever played in terms of venue capacity mm. and just the size of the stage, and like at that level. know the professional union guys that are working you know still mistakes
2: made. yeah
1: that's gotta be a bummer dude but it was yeah because we were all we were so excited for that show you know because and uh, the current lineup for christopher james band like we haven't been together that long it's been maybe a year and a half so you know this was definitely the biggest show we've all played together yeah mind
0: you if you had the feed of the show in question that levi's talking about you wouldn't tell that the monitors were messed up because everybody played very well everybody killed it i i mean i listened to it i've listened to it multiple times because i'm learning some of the guitar parts all the guitar parts yeah
1: cameron's cameron's gonna be sitting in on guitar
0: with us for some shows coming up and like it sounded immaculate it sounded like you guys had it all dialed in just fine but i mean that that probably speaks more to your guys's
1: level of craft yeah well our drummer tucker and bass player Vinny, those guys are like the tampa bay rhythm section certified professionals yeah those guys are are incredible musicians and they've also been playing together for a very very long time in in multiple different projects so they they know what they're doing, you know. We've been playing these songs for a while, for a year and a half now, so we know the songs very well. Jordan Garno is the guitar player. I know you guys have talked about um, his wife Kellyanne. Oh yeah, you know, the Far Forest. Yeah,
2: super super nice guy. Yeah, he's
1: he's awesome. He's 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 really cool and dummy good at incredible guitar, guitar player yeah. and just musician in general. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I mean, definitely. You know, couldn't have asked for a better group for that to have happened to. Oh, yeah. With. Oh, yeah. But, you know, it happens. And so, just just keep going. The trials and
0: tribulations
2: of a working musician. And you guys, like, with uh, Vinny and Tucker, you guys have played with each other, you know, even though with uh, Christopher James has has just been, like, for very new and recent, you guys understand, like, your guys' level. It's almost like, well, without the monitors... That we can still overcome we're still badass yeah
0: yeah yeah no monitor mixing <laughs> gonna break me down you kidding me yeah yeah dude
1: i will say with 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 whether like drums and guitar and bass you know like guitar and bass players have amps so they, they can at least hear themselves there and drums are a very loud instrument already so it's like you know what they're sounding like but like as a keyboard player and i'm sure you know this carlos as well you don't really usually don't have an amp on stage usually you're just plugging directly into a direct box
2: take these headphones just plug them straight to your keys
1: yeah exactly so it's like you know you don't have you're not pushing any air like on the stage around you so you really are relying on that monitor for everything Mm -hmm. so and also big up to christopher james for adapting
0: too. like yeah imagine being a singer who couldn't really hear himself
1: yeah i mean yeah i can't imagine standing in front of the amount of people that were there And like not hearing anything, (laughs) he's like,
0: "What's up, everybody? Hey Hey, guys, (laughs) (laughs) we're really happy to be here." (laughs) Uh, Yeah, dude. Um, But yeah, um, I I feel like it is. It is just about that time for for a little wrap up. Uh, Levi, where can everybody find you if they're looking to learn more about? Conversations with God or inquire about having you
1: play in the band. Um you can find me on Instagram and Facebook. Um just Levi Fo L E V I F O E It's my last name. Um and yeah. when's that music coming out, bro? Your solo project. Yeah, keep pushing me on it because I okay, uh, I will. I, I um I do. I have i have a couple songs that are like complete. Yeah. like mastered and you everything you and me then both I just mm. just need like some cool artwork so i don't know if anyone's got some some cool artwork any artists out there that'd be really awesome the
0: bro the blank sutra family is growing day by day yeah He's
1: many a talented persons
0: yeah so. that inbox is going to get full yeah, we're, yeah we might have something for you coming you have opened the soon. floodgates
1: yeah 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 feel free to to dm you and we can talk about music or conversations with god or artwork or anything anything
0: fantastic yeah. levi it's been a joy having you
1: yeah this has been a blast thank you guys so much absolutely yeah, man dude
0: absolutely the formative days yeah um you're in at the ground level brother mm-hmm. and, and you are my brother i will say yeah i love you to death with a er or an a both
1: oh, sick
0: yeah dude you get both hell yeah you know there's another word that the ER Say versus it. the A.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: Which one? <laughs> okay.
1: <laughs> On that
0: note, my name is Karen Dorsey with my co host Carlos Reyes, the lovely Levi Faux. Thank you for listening to the Blank Sutra podcast. We love you all very, very much. The blessing this week is to, um, you know, always constantly ask yourself what would love do? In every moment of life, never try not to stray away from that. And I signed, sealed, delivered. It's going to be a good life. We love you all very much. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.